Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion, and I'm pleased to welcome you back to the BOF podcast, where we have another special conversation to share from Voices 2018. 
As an entrepreneur building my own media company, I always like to meet other people who are building and running their own media businesses. And this past year, I was lucky to meet two such people who are both navigating the massive digital disruption in the media landscape and also trying to figure out how to engage with younger readers. David Pemsel is the chief executive of The Guardian Media Group. The Guardian is one of the most visited news websites in the world, with over 155 million unique visitors. Over the past few years, David has been overseeing a radical business turnaround at The Guardian, focused on earning revenue from readers. GMG now has more than 1 million subscribers and contributors around the world, which means the business is on track to break even on an operating business in 2019. And John Ridding is the chief executive of the Financial Times Group, one of the world's leading business news organizations, recognized internationally for its authority, integrity, and accuracy. Interestingly, John started his career at the FT as a journalist more than 20 years ago and then transitioned to the business side. In 2006, he became the CEO. The FT was a pioneer in building a paid content model that is now sweeping across the media world. And under John's stewardship, the FT has expanded its global operations and successfully scaled and transformed its core business. So here's David Pemsel and John Ridding in conversation with our chief correspondent in New York, Lauren Sherman, to talk about reinventing old media for a new media world at Voices 2018. I would say that this is, to me, as interesting, or I think about this topic as much as I think about fashion, as being a journalist and kind of seeing all these different models come up. And this week alone, there's been so much news in the space. I'm sure you all read about the Condé Nast International merging with Condé Nast US. Then yesterday, Bustle, which is a digital media group in New York, bought Mike.com, a news publication for millennials in a fire sale. And then, you know, I was doing my extra research this morning <laughs> and on Google News looking up these gentlemen's names. And, and I saw that there was an article in The Guardian about the FT um, regarding John and, and what some of the journalists kind of issues that they've ha been having with the business in terms of transparency and other things, but a lot of it is that John has made a lot of money because the company is doing well and, and they are seem to be sort of frustrated by that, so there's been some pushback from the union. So I think before we talk about anything else, maybe, John, you can kind of speak to what's going on at the FT and how it relates back to what's happening in digital media altogether because it's it's an exciting time there's a lot of content being read but people are still kind of unclear on how to monetize that content yeah thank you well first thank you david for the piece um listen I, I think it's fair enough it's a tough neighborhood we challenge um people every day in our pages and we should be open to challenge ourselves this row um, blew up uh, over my pay, which partly related to the acquisition, but also the business performance. Um, I don't obviously set my pay, but it did go up quite a lot last year. Um, created a bit of a, a storm. Um, I listened. Uh, I heard. It was hard not to hear. Um, as David will know, newsrooms are pretty noisy places. Um, I thought hard about it, and I decided actually that the right thing to do was to give back uh, all of the pay increase that I got in 2017 to reinvest it in 
in women, the development of women at the FT, that's an area where we need to work harder and do more, so I did. I put the, um, I put the whole increase from 2017 back to fund uh, development of women at the FT and their careers. But to your, to your bigger point, um, I think it is, you know, it's a tough, and I think part of this reflects that it's a very tough neighbourhood, news media. We've been going through disruption for well over a decade, uh, and it never stops. And I think, um, you know, the result, or one of the results, is the news and information ecosystem is in crisis. And I think that matters to us all, not just to, to me and David and our organisations. It's led to, um, it's both been a symptom and a cause of social and political issues, the polarisation of news, um, populism, and the whole rise of the big tech and social media platforms has created a huge crisis for traditional and quality news media. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really fundamental challenge. Uh, the way we've thought about it is to get on the front foot, not to play defence, but to play offence, to try and find uh, a new business model that enables the sustained growth of quality journalism. And there's no one way of doing this, but fundamentally getting, building that relationship with readers, developing a paid-for a reader revenue model uh, is the way to go, particularly when Google and Facebook are hoovering up most of the ad dollars in the world. It works. So we've built a, a reader revenue model. We have more readers than we've ever had in our 130-year history. And I think we're proving that um, quality journalism, based on the traditions and principles of trust, quality, and integrity of reporting, is something actually that readers really value and they really care about, particularly in a world of, of fake news and polarization. So it's definitely not easy, um, but we think there is a future. Um, it gets harder every year in some respects, but I think there is a way, a way through it, and I think it does come down to trust and confidence in quality reporting and journalism. David, I want to hear your big picture thoughts on this too, but John, you brought up fake news, and the, the first voices happened a month after Donald Trump was elected, and I remember the feeling then, and so we've only done this since he's been in office, and that year obviously was also the Brexit vote. Do you think that these paid models that are, are coming out now would have as much traction if the culture wasn't going in that direction and we weren't, people weren't so fearful? Is it driven by fear, the willing to pay for a subscription or pay for the Guardian? David, you can yeah. speak to the Guardian um, model. Look, it won't be a great surprise. I mean, we must make sure this conversation becomes sort of hopeful towards the end, but let's go down a bit. Um, the, the world, we know that the world is full of discourse right now. We know that Donald Trump and Brexit and indeed anything that's happening across Europe is coming from a complete fragmentation of society. And as a result of that, almost through societal discord combined with structural decline in ways in which news organisations are funded, you've then got at the same time a global audience who are looking for answers, looking for reassurance and looking to be guided through this discourse. And you just can't imagine the, the contradictions of those three spheres all happening at the same time. Um, however, within all of that, and I thought it was interesting that Stella talked yesterday through all of this disruption, one can actually find opportunity. And there are numbers, as, as Imran said at the beginning, we've gone from the ninth largest newspaper uh, in the UK out of ten to one of the third largest news brands in the world. Um, our numbers globally continue to go up. We're consistently getting over a billion page impressions a month. Our reader contribution model has gone from zero to nil, an aggregated number of a million. 
And obviously, you then look at other um, news organizations such as the New York Times and the Washington Post, who, I think these are terrible words, have probably benefited from this discourse. And people describe it, and I, I think you should never trivialize the impact of Trump, but people describe that as the Trump bump in terms of how many numbers we're now getting. But I think people are really anxious. I think that um, if in a time when people are consuming uh, a lot of their, their content within Facebook or Google or Instagram or indeed any other social media, trying to understand what is truthful and what isn't has become a massive problem. And I heard someone say the other day that quality is starved of oxygen. And I think that's a really interesting description when you have such virality across these platforms. And to think that there are people who will sit in rooms and use algorithms to inform what artificially they should create from content, essentially to create page impressions that drives advertising. It is fraud, illegal. And yet a lot of the tech platforms benefit hugely from the engine room of fake news as opposed to people like John and I who are navigating through the monetization of content. And I think there is, when you align ourselves up with people like um, Facebook, our business model is trying to find the monetization of quality and Facebook's business model is, trying, is very successfully driving revenue from virality. You could not have two more opposing uh, business models, one evidently more successful than the other. So, so how do you monetize quality? How do you, what, what works? What do people pay for? I know what converts on business of fashion. Um, but but what what converts your readerships? Your readerships are very different. You're paying for different reasons. They're paying in different ways. How do you get common, them to though. do it? I mean, I think that it's just uh, having a very informed, deep, engaged interest. And it could be around a brand. It could be around a columnist. It's having that relationship um, with a reader that they really value what makes you different and what makes you special. I think that one of the... Um, central elements. I mean, people say, well, it's easy at the FT to charge for an FT subscription because most of your readers are business people and they can charge it to the company or whatever. Maybe. And I think it doesn't hurt. It helps. But um, the reality is actually, I think any brand um, that um, has integrity, by which I mean a real valuable relationship to a consumer or a reader or whatever, uh, can be able to charge. There's no mystery about news. And I, I really object to the term paywall. I mean, all it is is just asking people to pay for something they value. It's the same with, with anything, with a car, with clothes, with, with, uh, with food. Um, so I think it is all about being different, having something that people really value. And if you don't have something that people um, are willing to pay for, then you've got to ask yourself, what are you doing? Is it worth it? So, you know, I don't... I think that any... And I think this, we're seeing this, you mentioned it in your comments, that this is becoming accepted. I think um, most publishers realise now that you cannot generate news and quality news on the basis of advertising alone. There just isn't enough um, for, for, for news organisations. So it has to be a reader revenue model. But there's lots of ways you can monetize around that. You know, David's approach is different from ours. There's other models out there. Um, but ultimately, it's, you've got to have a value proposition around something that makes you special and different. Um, I think that in 2015, as Imran said in, our, in the introduction, as The Guardian, through pursuit of reach and impact in the world, primarily funded by advertising, it is clear that we flew very close to the sun. We were um, at an EBITDA level. It was nearly a $100 million loss. 
And we did that in pursuit of being open and accessible to all. And what sits at the heart of the garden is a, you know, is a profound sort of belief in open access and not believing, and it's not a contradiction to the FT's business model, but we just don't believe what we do should be, we should be taxing for consumption and we should try and be as open as possible. But what was evident in 2015, the relationship between reach and advertising contribution snapped and we were left with a bloody great hole. And there are two things that Kath Viner, when she became editor and I became chief executive, that the only two things that people told us was just cut costs, put the paywall up and everything will be fine. And thankfully, we decided not to do that. And when someone like Christopher sort of comes out from, from behind the shadow and, and makes a statement and contributes to Cambridge Analytica, or when someone like Edward Snowden gives up his liberty in those NSA stories, or when we have to talk about a lost community like Windrush, um, uh, which ends up with Amber, Amber Rudd losing her job, we just don't believe that should be stuck behind, I'm sorry, John, a paywall. Uh, we, we, we really felt there must be something... Um, a symbiotic relationship between the quality of what we produce and our amazing audience making a contribution. So we just simply asked them, and they paid. And, and the way you ask them, can you speak a little bit about the kind of ask on every page on The Guardian and, and how you tweak that and, and yeah. really cut to the emotions? I think in 2015, when things were very hairy, I don't know if anyone read what we described the epic then, it was essentially, we're, we're kind of broken and we sort of need your help quite quickly. Uh, and there were, we didn't have to create that, that was actually true. Um, it was, it were, and, and you know, some of that language, I, as someone who cares passionately about this 200-year-old brand and has worked in marketing and love brands, I did worry that the language at the time felt as if we'd sort of just run out of road and we were just kind of beg. And, you know, there was, can you imagine the debate within our organisation was we started to do that. Since then, as we get to break even in, in, in March and that deficit has been reduced, there's so much more sophistication that sits within the optimization of contributions. Uh, we have a reader funnel, we have 176 million browsers at the top, we have 10 million regulars, and our job is to turn those regulars into paying contributors and there's a huge amount of data analysis that sits behind that understanding the relationship between consumption and propensity to contribute a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com ACAST, code ACAST. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. 
I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. So I could talk about paid media for another 35 minutes, but I know you guys are very hungry. Let me get to our <laughs> other, other topics. Um, it, we just had a bunch of Gen Z people up here. Very curious to know how you're trying to connect with that customer. John, you in particular, because your your customer is seen or your reader is seen as a professional. Are you guys on Instagram? Are you on Snapchat? If you are, how do you communicate with with Gen Z or what? I'm sure there's a new platform that they're on that I haven't heard about. Yeah, I mean, we while we have issues with um, social media from a business model perspective, let's be clear, it's it's the historically most powerful way of reaching most people on the planet. It's extraordinary. Um, you know, we heard earlier from uh, Kevin, I think, talking about the rise of, of China. But, you know, if you think about it, Facebook in 14 years has gathered more followers than Christianity. And they log on more than they go to church, I guess. So for us to reach an audience globally, it's a very efficient way. So we do put stuff out for free on social media um, quite a lot because it brings people um, into contact with the brand. We have made the Financial Times free for all secondary school students all over the world um, because we want people to get into the habit of quality journalists, not because we see them as uh, future readers, we want them to be, but just because we think actually young people should read quality journalism and they, they really engage with it deeply. Um, so, you know, there's the, and, and sort of helping them navigate the content because it can be a bit intimidating, frankly. So, you know, we have um, uh, briefings of how to use the content, how to navigate the content. But I think the other thing is channel. It's not just, um, obviously digital is, is crucial, mobile is crucial. I think the other area that we're quite interested in in terms of reaching new reader cohorts and uh, younger cohorts is, is audio. I think audio is the big new disruptor. For news media, it makes life kind of exciting and challenging at the same time. But certainly, um, younger readers over-index on, on audio uh, format, so we're making quite a big push there, too. Yeah, have you figured out how to monetize podcasts yet? Because I think everyone wants to know. We think, at the moment, they're generally pretty free, but they can be part of our subscription model, no doubt. Um, the bigger challenge is sort of home assistance, the Alexa, Google Home, that kind of stuff. So, um, and that raises all sorts of challenges from a kind of monetization 
but also from a branding perspective, we spent 130 years being pink. Uh, pink is not a sound. So you know, how do you figure that out? I don't have the answer yet. I'm surprised with podcasts. I mean, I, I'm sure everyone in this room, how much more time have we got to consume? And we've just launched our daily podcast on a similar um, sort of idea to the New York Times, which has had phenomenal success with their daily podcast. And you're always sort of thinking, well, where on earth are we going to, in just a finite amount of time, going to consume more? And the numbers that we have been achieving through our daily podcast have been phenomenal. And so you must be... It's either screen fatigue, where just people just need to put that thing down just for a second, or there must be moments where, in our podcast, it's not breaking news, it's actually in-depth analysis. And I wonder whether people just... It's a demonstration of people wanting time to reflect and not just be inundated with what's breaking right now, but just a pause moment. And I welcome that. And uh, so they, you know, when you're taking that amount of audience into podcasts, it must be at the cost of something else. And maybe that's radio, which is very pacey and very breaking news. And the idea of moments of reflection is just sort of reassuring. I also think it's more personal. I think people often forget with um, news and information and with brands in general, there is that emotional, personal aspect. And listening to a podcast is quite a personal experience. And I think people really appreciate that. So fashion coverage in general media has kind of always been connected to advertising revenue and driving revenue. I know the FT has How to Spend It, which is luxury. How has your fashion coverage changed in the past few years? and, And has it as... I don't know, I think the the significance of the industry globally and how it connects to all these other issues has has become more obvious to readers? Well, I think it's become, you know, bigger, frankly. For us, fashion and luxury have become hugely important parts of the business. In this whole storm of disruption, it's been one of the one of the main growth areas and it's been very important to us. Um, I also think that we've worked much more closely with um, fashion brands around the whole digital transformation. I think that that's something that came a bit late to lots of fashion and luxury. Uh, they're certainly on it in, you know, big time now. And I think our own experience of going through that sort of analogue to digital uh, journey has actually made those partnerships work really well. I mean, some of the topics which was discussed last night around um, sustainability, impact on the environment, as you can imagine, The Guardian has taken that kind of position. Uh, Jessica does have access to all of the shows and meets all of the designers and I think is described as someone who fairly articulates the good things about the business. But as The Guardian, we also need to hold this industry like other industries to account. And when you listen to... as I, I mean, it was just amazing last night and over the last couple of days by uh, the fundamental changes, changes of production and supply chain and impact on the environment does need to be commented on, on and everyone needs to be held to account on that. And that's not a great surprise that The Guardian will cover that. We have to wrap up, but I have one more question. What do you think about, you know, looking at this Condé Nast thing, which everybody's talking about? Chantal Fernandez, our media reporter, was was on the story. Um, but looking at this and, and looking at their strategy, and they have a few paywalls in place, but New York Magazine in, in the U.S. is also implementing a paywall. These are not publications that have traditionally been driven by news. They're not, maybe they're breaking news with a big exclusive profile of someone in an issue, but it, it's not, they, they aren't, they haven't traditionally been in the news business the way you're in the news business. What do you think about these more lifestyle publications 
putting up subscriptions, putting up paywalls, and, and do you consider them competitors now? How, how does that change the landscape as, as they shift, try to shift their models as well? Well, we're all competitors for time, so this is all about time. But fundamentally, I think that's a very smart strategic move. I think that um, within organizations and between organizations, there's a lot of consolidation going on because it's, you know, it's pretty challenging out there. But I think that um, it makes complete strategic sense to have, you know, these are global brands reaching sort of global readerships. Um, so I think that the, there's a big interface between news and lifestyle. We've gone from news actually into lifestyle. You mentioned how to spend it also the weekend FT. So I don't see any, um, I mean, and frankly, people have different dimensions through their day. Some, you know, some minutes they're hard news, other times they want a bit more lifestyle. So I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any sort of strategic problem. There's an execution challenge, which I think is you know, something for them to deal with. But from a sort of strategic point, I can totally see the logic. Look, I think just very briefly, I think it's just an insight into the disruption which will continue. Sometimes internally people will say to me, once we get to this break-even thing, are we kind of done? And <laughs> we're never going to be done. Uh, and on the, on the Condé Nast point is that what they do have is a portfolio of incredible brands, incredible brands which have taken years to cultivate. I think the points, as, as John was saying, are now different, is distribution. And can those brands ultimately translate into the new forms of consumption and the answer to that is yes but you've just got all these cliches of agility and speed and trial and error and the only thing I think sometimes difficult for news organisations because it's all about trust we worry about um, failing fast and all that sort of stuff because if you lose your trust it's all over I think I wonder whether the lifestyle brands could potentially test themselves to innovate faster break a few things on that journey and I wonder if they would get to solutions a little bit quicker if they just allow themselves to experiment more quickly. Yeah, uh, one more thing, and then I promise I'll stop. Um, <laughs> if the, I'm by on us. the, on yeah. the distribution part, there was a piece in the New York Times about a week ago about potentially all of these startup media companies doing a roll-up, and for for a long time, print media has been unbundled. Do you see the potential of some sort of bundling where these are bigger groups where they can optimize audience for advertisers because advertisers aren't going away? Or do you think that the likelihood of that happening is, is slim to none? I think it's really hard. I think that it's really hard. And, I, I, and, and also, you know, going back to this point about differentiation, it's, it's very, very hard if your strategy is based on being different and being special to... Um, get together with others in the industry. And I think the second problem there is you start looking inward. You spend your whole time sort of organizing inside when you've really got to be focused on the reader and the customer. So I, I, I think it's going to be difficult, frankly. Uh, for me, I read somewhere the other day, which I thought was really interesting and in how it relates to this business. I'm not sure, but you know, competing is expensive and partnership is cheap. And I'm just wondering whether there are opportunities just to get a little, you know, put some of the tools down and some of the weapons down for a bit and just try and understand where there's efficiency through collaboration. But at the same time, you know, any joint venture or any collaboration is fraught with problems. And you look at business books and most of these things come together and end in bloody disaster. <laughs> uh, and so I think you've just got to be very pragmatic. But consolidation, I think, is inevitable, isn't it, when you've got this much change? We like to call it back-end synergies. Because <laughs> <laughs> they you. always happen. Yeah. yeah. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, you might be interested in BOF Professional, our global membership community from the business of fashion. BOF Professional members receive unlimited access to all of our articles, daily members-only analysis, the BOF Professional iPhone app, biannual print issues, and all of our online education courses as part of your membership. For a limited time only, we are offering BOF Podcast listeners an exclusive discount on an annual BOF Professional membership. To get 25% off of your first year, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package, and enter the special invitation code PODCAST2019 at the checkout. We hope you enjoy it, and don't forget to tell your friends. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.